Welcome to Save the Cowboy. This is Pastor Kevin Weatherby, and I invite you to saddle up and ride with us as we strike a trot to the backside of God's green pastures and learn how to live for Him. I feel like my life is is uh, is a, a a movie or something like on a big billboard sometimes because I, I'll be honest with you, man. It's it's scary sharing some of the stuff that I share because. You know, it, it opens up some vulnerabilities, and, you know, I, a lot of my personal life I, I talk about, and what a lot of people do not know is that uh, I was married before. Um, it, was, uh, it was a long marriage. Um, if it, you know, it might have grown mold if it was bread. <laughs> Only one person got that. This is going to be rough today. <laughs> Naturally, it was about six months. It was about six months long, and, you know, uh, I, I was pretty bitter for a long time and everything, but I've gotten over that because without that, I wouldn't be able to appreciate what I got today. And so, just in case I accidentally used my, my axe's uh, last, uh, her name, I, I figured we would come up with a... Uh, what do you call those where you call somebody something else, you know, uh, whatever? And uh, so we're just going to call her Typhoid Mary. <laughs> I mean, that's just, that's just the best I could come up with. But I was married to Typhoid Mary for a little while. And it was, it was, it was great for a day. And um, things started going downhill. You ever seen the man from Snowy River? That was a carousel ride compared to my first marriage. Our first marriage was more like a free fall. He didn't go down the deal. He jumped out of a plane on that. Have y'all ever seen the A-team where the tank is falling? That's about what I felt like. But anyway, whenever, you know, I tell people all the time that the, the hardest part of that whole deal was uh, my grandmother knitted Typhoid Mary this big blanket, hand crocheted it. And my grandmother was going through macular degeneration at the time. She could hardly see. She came up to me at Christmas time. I got married on June 6th of 2000, and she came up to me at Christmas time, and she goes, hey, I know you're all having a rough time, but I want to give this to Typhoid Mary. She goes, but I don't want to give it to her if, if y'all are just going to, you know, split up. I was like, hey, don't you worry about that. I'm hard-headed. We'll get this figured out. We're just going through a rough spot. And she was like, okay. That's exactly what she sounded like. Every day, every moment, every night. Shh. But I told my grandmother, I call her Granna. I said, Granna, don't you worry about that. I'm hard-headed. When I said I do, I meant it. Super Bowl Sunday, she left. And she never come back. But the point of that is that I got plumbed down. And it really wasn't because old typhoid took off. That wasn't why. The reason why is because I wanted that dang blanket back. She wouldn't give it to me. But I had made my grandmother a promise, and so this isn't about typhoid Mary, and it's not about blankets or anything, but I kind of got depressed. And I think everybody has reached a point in their lives where you're just like, what the hell, you know? And I mean, I'm sorry to say that, but let's just call it like it is. We're not going to be anybody different in here on Sunday morning than we're not on Monday morning. And sometimes that's exactly how we feel, isn't it? It's just like, really? This is, this is it, God? This was your grand design? This was your plan? Your plan stinks. 
I got pretty depressed. And when I met O-Typhoid Mary, I kind of traded in a buddy of mine. Y'all have heard me talk about Ralph. He's the one that taught me everything I know about uh, breaking horses and stuff like that and working cattle. And, well, I mean, my dad did too. But, you know, sometimes the daddies ain't the best teachers. You need somebody else that doesn't care if you hate them or not. <laughs> Ralph didn't. He really didn't care if I hated him or not. And so I traded Ralph for Typhoid Mary. I quit going out to Ralph's house. I quit breaking horses. Still lived out by the ranch in Kyanosa, and that didn't last very long because we had this little two-bedroom house that we shared with like 600 mice. They were cool. They were cool. I didn't see what the big deal was. They kept the bugs away. There wasn't no bugs in our house. There was big old mice. No, not really. There wasn't that many mice. But the fact is, is old Typhoid Mary, man, she was a city gal. And it wasn't but about two hours into our marriage and us living in Kynosa, Texas, that she said, I hate this. And I said, what? And she goes, I don't have a social life. I said, what the world do you need one of them for? You got me. <laughs> she said, exactly. <laughs> what? But anyway, so I, you know, I quit doing everything that I used to do, and I got into this deep despair. And I'm, I'm talking about not those where you got your lip hanging out. and you, 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 I'm talking about those that, la that last. You know, you just doesn't matter, you know, what you see. It doesn't matter what you say. Even when you smile, it's empty. I'm talking about one of those times in your life. Well, she told me one day, she said... She goes, I want to move to town. I said, yeah, well, see ya. No, I didn't say that. I was a newlywed. I was going to make this work. And I thought, you know what? I'm going to sacrifice everything for her. So we left the ranch, our little two-bedroom house, and we moved into an apartment. Yeah. You ever felt like a caged animal? They did not. They get plum offended when you pee in the front yard of an apartment. <laughs> I don't understand it. I've been doing that my whole life. Y'all guys, you know what I'm talking about, man. You just, you got to do that sometimes. You got to walk out in the morning, say hi to God and take a whiz. <laughs> well, they got plum offended by that and everything and we were having our problems. It, it never seemed to, it didn't matter what we did whenever we kept going and I gave and I gave and I gave. It just, it never solved anything. It just put the problems in a different location. And finally, at the very, very end of our moldy marriage, I said, she goes, you don't love me and you don't give me anything. And I was like, give you anything? Everything that I had ever dreamed of, I gave to you. And even more than that, everything I dreamed of and that gave to you, I gave it up. And I live in an apartment now. And you say that I didn't give you anything? I gave you everything. And she said this. She looked me in the eye. And she said, you know why I wanted to move to town? And I said, yeah. She goes, I didn't like living like white trash. A tear. I ain't joking. Tears rolled out of my eyes. And so with that being said, I'm sitting, you know, I, I moved to another place, and, I, and I'm sitting there, and, you know, I'm just kind of wallowing in my self-pity, and, I mean, it, it was suffocating self-pity. And I think we've all been there. 
And if you haven't been there, you're probably a, you're lying to yourself. We've all been through those kind of problems. And I was, I was down there, and I was in that pit of despair, and I didn't know what to do. It didn't matter if I read my Bible. It didn't matter if I prayed. It didn't matter about anything. It just, I couldn't shake it. And then one day, I'm sitting there, and a pickup pulls up. And it's my good buddy, Ralph. And in this pickup is his son, Justin, about 12 years old at the time. And three horses in a horse trailer. And he walked up and he didn't knock. He just walked in. Ralph don't care. He just walked in my house and he said, well, I'm not going to say exactly what he said. He said, get your butt up. Get your boots on and let's go. I said, where are we going? He said, I didn't tell you to ask me questions. I said, get your skinny butt up, get your boots on, and let's go. Okay. Okay. Stupid Ralph. I don't want to go anywhere. I want to just sit here and just wallow in my self-pity. And so I go get in the truck, and Justin's in there. And of course, I'm going to be cool to Justin because he kind of looked up to me. I was like, hey, Justin, how are you doing? Blah, blah, blah. And, you know, and I was like, where are we going, Ralph? He goes, would you just shut up? I was like, okay, okay. And so we went down to Sanderson, Texas. And um, anyway, he said that there was these, a buddy of his had some cows out there that he couldn't gather. And I mean, these were some real steep, you know, Pecos River country uh, cedar breaks and stuff. And when something goes wild in there, man, you, it's like trying to rope a butterfly. <laughs> I mean, me and Lee Benjamin, we can do that now. But I mean, uh, Anyway, so we got down there, and, and you know, we, we kind of put the horses up, and then we walked outside, and this guy had a house there, and it was just an old ranch house, you know, 500 miles. I felt at home. And so we went outside, and they built, we built this little fire, and, and Ralph cooked some steaks, and he wrapped up these, uh, these like, corn on the cob in, in, uh, in some foil and put a bunch of butter and sour cream in there, and then he'd wrap it up real good and just throw it in the fire. You know... I know this is hard to believe, but when I get stressed out a little bit, I don't eat that well. And I don't maintain this healthy, masculine figure when I get depressed. What are you all laughing about? <laughs> and, you know, whenever I started eating that steak, it was like one of those things that the further I got away from my house in Fort Stockton, getting closer to Sanderson, getting in those cedar breaks crossing that Pecos River right there. The further I got away from it, it felt like it was, something was lifting ever so slightly, ever so slightly. And then I sat there that night and, and Ralph cooked those steaks and that man could not cook a piece of leather. But for some reason that night, it was awesome. And I ate every bit of that corn. I think he got one little piece and Justin got one little piece and I scarfed down the rest of it like I hadn't eaten in four months. And really, I probably hadn't. I probably hadn't. But with that meal, it felt like something lifted ever so slightly. And then we got up, you know, we finished up and everything and, and we uh, went up to bed and it was kind of like this little two-story thing or something or another if I remember right. I don't remember a lot because we weren't in the house. I mean, we like pulled up and built a fire and then we went in and we found a bedroom and threw our bedrolls out and then Ralph shut off all the lights and, and Ralph is kind of like, well, me and Ralph had this in common and I know there's a few more guys like this out there just makes my wife so mad. We can lay down. Good night, honey. And we're asleep. 
Well, that's the way Ralph was, and that's the way I was. But you see, I had ate a lot of corn. And I drank lots of, well, I'll just tell you, I mean, not, I mean no, not drunk or anything, but we had had some beer, okay? No big deal. Nobody was throwing up or anything like that, but, you know, we had a couple of beers. And so I'm up here, and it is pitch dark in a house that I have never been in except to literally walk with a bedroll into a room, throw it down, roll it out, and lay my head down. And then all the lights went out, Ralph started snoring, I thought, I gotta pee! Have you ever tried to walk through a strange house without turning lights on, trying to find a bathroom? <laughs> it took me 35 minutes. I got lost four times, got locked in some closet, and I thought Charlie Manson was in there. I finally made it outside, and I just peed out there and just slept on the floor, because I knew I wasn't going to be able to make it back in. I slept in the truck. But the next day, we got up, and we saddled up the horses, and, you know, we got our ropes and you know Justin was learning how to rope and so anyway we saddle up and we go around here and I said how many is there and he said there's four of them and he said I'm gonna ride up here and do some stuff you and Justin keep going this way and y'all look for them and I was like okay so me and Justin were riding along out there just having a good little visit and everything I miss that boy he died in a car wreck I did his eulogy at his funeral sorry We got going around there, and, and Ralph eventually come back. He said, I found the cattle over here. And he said, Justin, what I want you to do is I want you to go up on this hill because me and Kevin, we're going to come around like this, and we're going to use the natural lay of the land, and we're going to bring them around, and then that'll keep them from running back. And he said, I think that we can get this done without ever taking our rope down. We're like, okay. So he sent Justin over here, and me and Ralph, we come around like this, and we had planned on staying for two days to try to get these cattle in. We come around this corner, and just like Ralph said, we used the natural lay of the land. They went right in the pen. We went over there and shut the, shut the gate, and I asked Ralph, I said, what are we going to do now? He said, well, I didn't really know it was going to not take that long. He said, do you want to go exploring? And I said, yeah, let's go. And so that morning, he had fixed some biscuits and some bacon. And being as I was still kind of full, because I hadn't eaten that much in like, you know, four months, I grabbed an extra biscuit and bacon, and I had stuck it in my pocket. And so we get going, because, you know, it's like 9 o'clock when we finished, and so we get riding, and we're looking in these caves, and we seen some mountain lion tracks, and we were kind of tracking that, and just having a good time. And it felt like everything was lifting ever so slightly. And then about 11.15, I pulled out that biscuit with bacon on it, and me and Ralph had a fist fight over it. You think I'm joking? He tried to take it from me. We was hitting each other with the ends of our ropes. I said, you ain't taking it, old man. <laughs> that was the wrong thing to say, because then he felt obligated to show me just how old he was. He was mean, too. He was like Pocahontas and, you know, Jeffrey Dahmer combined or something, like a serial killer Indian guy or something. But anyway, we had a great time, and then we, you know, we, we went back, and after that, and, you know, that afternoon, we drove home. And it just felt like something had lifted, ever so slightly. Later on, 
we were talking about the biscuit and the bacon incident, Ralph said, I never wanted to kill him so bad. He said, all I could think about was that biscuit because I was hungry. He said, skinny white boy had eaten everything the night before. He said, so I was, I was hungry in the morning. I didn't know he was going to eat that much. He said, when he pulled that out, my wife got to watering and, you know, we were just reliving old times. But somebody said, why did you, did you really go out there to get those cattle? And he said, well, no, of course I didn't. They said, why did you go out there then? He said, because Kevin needed to. He walked over to me, put his hand on my shoulder, and he said, Kevin forgot who he was. It happens, and he just needed somebody to remind him. He said, so I pulled up with the truck and trailer. I didn't ask him if he wanted to go. I told him to get a skinny butt in the truck and let's go. He didn't like it much, but I didn't care. He said, Kevin needed fed. He doesn't eat that good anyway. And he said, there's nothing that clears the mind like getting back to who you are and getting some good beef in you. And he said, he needed to quit thinking about himself and get his soul back to a purpose of gathering cattle. And even after all of that, it felt like the weight had lifted. I thank God for that trip. I learned so much about God's plan for my life through that trip right there. And I think that God has a message for a lot of you, if not most of you this morning, that you smile and when somebody says, how are you doing? You say, oh, I'm good. And you're not. You know it. There's something in your life that you're struggling with right now. And no matter how much you pray, no matter how much you read your Bible, no matter how much you sit in these chairs or watch on the internet, you just can't get around this. God's got a plan for your life. And I'm going to tell it to you right now. In Jeremiah 29, 11, you don't have to turn there because nearly everybody has heard this. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. Then you will call upon me, come and pray to me, and I'll listen. Do you know God's plan for your life? Do you really know it? Or do you feel like that that's the furthest thing away? The first step in God's plan is He's going to do exactly for you what Ralph did for me. He's going to remind you of who you are. Are you trying to be somebody that you're not? Do you have a joy in your life that you have given up? Do you feel like there's a part of you that used to like to do something, but for one reason or another, you just don't do it anymore? Do you need somebody to pull up in a truck and trailer and tell you to get your dang boots on and let's go? God made you who you are. Why are you trying to change it? God gave you the gifts and desires. Why are you trying to hide them? The second thing, some of you need to be fed. And I'm not talking about beef right now. I'm talking about the Word. What we put into us affects us. What are you putting into you? Are you feeding on the good? Or are you feeding on the bad? There's nothing more important than what goes into our hearts. One of the scariest Bible verses in the entire Bible, in my opinion, says this, out of your mouth flows the true nature of your heart. Watch what you put into your heart because it'll eventually come out of your mouth. And it's really, really noticeable. You need to feed. Hang out 
with people that you admire. Hang out, period. Make some friends. Some of you have been locked in yourself and it's just you and your wife in your homes. Go over to somebody's house. Heck, come out to mine. Bring your horse. I don't care. Feed on good stuff. Quit that rotten stuff. I don't know what that rotten stuff is, but you know dang well what I'm talking about. I don't know what it is for each and every one of you, but I know that nearly all of us here are feeding on some rotten stuff. Stop it. God's plan for us can never be realized if we're only worried about ourselves. When we just sit there and wallow in our self-pity and wonder, you know, it's me, 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 me. I don't feel this. I don't look at that. Or it, it, When you're focused on yourself, you can't see God. If you want to meet God, quit looking at yourself. You know, if you've never met an angel... If you've never met a messenger from God, then you've never had a friend. Because God speaks through our friends that seem to be there at just the right time. Or they say just the right thing and you think, why did they say that? It's what I've been thinking, but I've been scared to do that. Start listening to God. He speaks to us every day through nature. Through our feelings of what we find enjoyable. He speaks to us through our children. He speaks to us through animals. What kick-started Save the Cowboy on Facebook was a simple picture of a horse named Jake from the T.O. Ranch, Kara McMurtry from Rockin' K-Bar Photography put, and it had this horse turned to the side and it's looking right at the camera. And I put on there, I smile when I catch God watching me through the eyes of a horse. How long has it been since you caught God watching you? Open up your eyes. Open up your ears. And open up your hearts to what is good and get out of your self-pity. God's got a plan for you. But here's the key. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope and a future. But you know what? God's not going to tell you the whole plan in advance. He's going to tell you to get your butt in the truck. And let's go. And when you say, what are we going to do? He's not going to answer you. Because it doesn't matter. He knows what you need. Just like Ralph knew what I needed then. God's not going to tell you the plan in advance. He's going to make you live the plan right now. He's revealing the plan to you day by day. All you have to do is watch and listen. And know that He's the one in control. You know, this old world is full of tough trails and scary switchbacks. Our prayer is that God spoke to you today through His Word. If you heard God talking to you, just get on the internet and visit us at SaveTheCowboy.com. We're trying to reach every corner of the globe wherever there might be a cowboy or cowgirl that needs to hear God's Word in a way that they can understand. But we can't do that without your support. You can become a saddle partner with us at our website, www.SaveTheCowboy.com or contact us at 303-621-0133. Get out there and do what God's telling you to do. This program was brought to you by Western LLC, facility development for the oil and gas and aviation industries across the western United States. Reach them at westernllc.net. Also by the good folks at Integrity Auto Repair in Kiowa, Colorado, and Comanche Creek Enterprises. Contact them today for no-till drilling and burrowing rodent control.